It's Thursday, April the 9th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Bernie Sanders drops out and the rate of infection quickens in Japan. First, the world in brief. Bernie Sanders dropped out of the contest to become the Democratic nominee for America's presidency. The socialist senator from Vermont was the last remaining challenger to Joe Biden. The coronavirus pandemic made it impossible to reverse the momentum of the primary race in which Mr. Biden had taken a commanding lead. He is now the presumptive nominee to take on President Donald Trump in November's election. After five years of war and at least 100,000 deaths, the Saudi-led coalition fighting in Yemen to oust Iranian-backed Houthi rebels has called a two-week ceasefire. This marks a breakthrough for UN-sponsored peace efforts. But it remains unclear whether the Houthis, who control most of northern Yemen, including the capital, Sana'a, will stop shooting. A day after Japan declared a state of emergency in seven prefectures, the country reported 503 new infections of COVID-19, its largest increase to date, bringing the national total to nearly 4,900. Commuter trains are still running regular schedules within Tokyo, with about 40% fewer passengers. The capital's governor is expected to announce on Friday the closure of non-essential businesses. The European Research Council's Scientific Council said that it asked its former head, Mauro Ferrari, to leave his post two weeks before his resignation on April 7th. Mr Ferrari said he was quitting after losing faith in the ERC's response to COVID-19. The ERC counted its members had unanimously asked for his departure due to his lack of engagement. The European Court of Justice ruled that Poland must suspend the disciplinary chamber of its Supreme Court. The ruling Law and Justice Party set up the chamber to handle complaints against judges. Opposition politicians say it is meant to influence justice through the threat of punishment. In February, the EU's Commissioner for Transparency accused Poland of carpet-bombing its judiciary. Australia's parliament approved a plan to support the wages of about 6 million employees at virus-battered companies, with both the governing Liberals and opposition Labour in favour. The country's long run of extraordinary economic health may come to an end with the global pandemic. S&P, a ratings agency, has downgraded its outlook on the government's bonds from stable to negative. Zoom hired Facebook's former security chief, Alex Stamos, as an advisor following widespread worry about vulnerabilities in its video chat software. The pandemic has increased the platform's popularity, but this has brought a rash of Zoom bombing or gatecrashing in chats. The German foreign ministry has already restricted use of the platform. Taiwan's government has stopped using it. And editor's note, there will be no edition on Good Friday. Saturday, as usual, will focus on culture, sport and science, and normal service will resume on Monday. And now, here's today's agenda. Singapore succumbs, the city-state under lockdown. As the world shut its doors, Singapore remained open for business. Its measured yet effective approach to containing COVID-19, which won praise from the World Health Organization, permitted shops, restaurants and schools to stay open. No longer. Confronted with a sudden surge in new cases, almost all of them contracted locally, the government has decided to adopt much more stringent measures to slow the spread of the virus. On April 7th, all but essential businesses closed, with Singaporeans allowed out of their homes only to buy food and medicine, to exercise and get their hair cut. 
The circuit breaker, as the government calls it, will remain in place for at least a month. Those who violate a new law banning public and private gatherings risk a $7,000 fine, a six-month stint in prison, or both. Even Singapore is no longer able to preserve a semblance of normality. Looking for reasons to believe. Italy. Italy enters Maundy Thursday, the traditional first day of Easter, with mixed emotions. Hope that the COVID-19 epidemic is at last abating, anger at a perceived lack of support from fellow Europeans, and frustration at the constraints of a lockdown with no end in sight. On Wednesday, it was reported that the government was working towards freeing people on May 4th, but a minister promptly denied the report and a senior World Health Organization official said this was no time to be lifting restrictions in Europe. Deaths and hospital admissions in Italy have begun to fall, but more than 3,000 people are still contracting the disease a day. Deaths among health workers have been particularly high, and people remain furious that Germany blocked the export of protective equipment when Italy needed it most. But scrutiny is also turning to why Italian officials failed to secure the delivery of enough masks. Those were the days, Britain's economy. GDP figures are always backwards-looking, but today's release for Britain in February is even more out-of-date than usual. The impact of the pandemic and the lockdown of the economy that began in late March will not feed through into the official statistics for several weeks. More forward-looking indicators, like purchasing managers' indices, point to the sharpest slowdown on record. The PMIs for March showed the composite index for Britain falling from 53.0 in February to 37.1, the lowest value and biggest monthly drop since the series began in 1998. Any number below 50 indicates contraction. The hope is that the rapid collapse can be followed by an equally fast bounce back. But although monetary and fiscal policy have been eased aggressively, rising unemployment and failing firms pose a risk of lasting damage to the economy. Much will depend on how long the current lockdown is to last, which remains deeply unclear. Try, try again, the Eurozone. Sixteen hours of talks on April 7th and 8th were not enough for the Eurozone's finance ministers to strike a deal on how to combat the economic devastation of the corona crisis. This afternoon they will fire up Zoom and try again. Two issues stand in the way of an agreement. First are the conditions that would accompany any loans extended from the Eurozone's bailout fund. Italy in particular is keen to keep them to a minimum, whereas the Dutch insist on attaching tough rules. Second is how to pay for recovery once the lockdowns end. Nine countries, including France, Italy and Spain, want jointly guaranteed corona bonds to spread the burden, but Germany and others are allergic to explicit forms of debt mutualisation. Ministers are confident of a breakthrough, but in a mood of rancour and distrust and without the up-close-and-personal wee-hours deal-making that Europe specialises in, it is not entirely clear why. From one quarantine to another, the ISS. COVID-19 may have spread around the globe, but not yet beyond it. That will probably remain true even after the latest mission to the International Space Station, ISS, blasts off today. The travellers, one American astronaut and two Russian cosmonauts, have already been quarantined for weeks as part of a decades-old pre-launch routine. NASA, America's space agency, and Roscosmos, its Russian counterpart, have also implemented enhanced hygiene procedures ahead of the six-month mission. The ISS is scheduled for a busy spring, even as much of the world below remains shut down. 
SpaceX, an American company, still plans to run the first ever privately managed manned mission to the ISS in May. The true shock may be for the station's three current occupants, who will touch down in a COVID-19-stricken world for the first time next Friday. They know perhaps better than anyone about living for extended periods in solitude, but must have hoped that their isolation was near an end. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Francis Bacon, who died on this day in 1626. The monuments of wit survive the monuments of power. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.